This is Anchored in Christ, the sermon podcast that gives you hope in the gospel as an anchor for your soul. Brought to you from Old South Presbyterian Church in Newburyport, Massachusetts. Weeks ago that we celebrated Easter. And on that wonderful day, we used the text from the Gospel according to John chapter 11. In it, we heard Jesus' command to Martha to take away the stone. It was a command that was given outside the tomb. Today, we begin a series called Living the Lazarus Life. And in it, we are looking at the person inside the tomb, Lazarus. He did not remain there forever. Lazarus' story is our own. Let us now read from John chapter 11, verses 1 through 3. Now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. Mary was the one who anointed the Lord with perfume and wiped his feet with her hair. Her brother Lazarus was ill. So the sisters sent a message to Jesus. Lord, he whom you love is ill. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, we would like you to hear our message. And that is that we are living in a time of illness. We are ill ourselves in many ways. And we would like you to come. By your Holy Spirit, we would like you to speak to us that we may live. And that hope may rise again. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Because of the pandemic... We are all living in what is like an extreme and dangerous drama. Except it is not a movie. Our lives are on the line. And with so much loss around us, we all need some good news. This past week on Good Morning America, the show spotlighted some personal stories of good news. One of them came from Santa Clara, California, where teachers formed a caravan of cars and they drove past their students' houses and honked their horns. And the students went out on the porches and waved at their teachers as they were honking and cheering. It was one wonderful act of solidarity. Another story comes from South Dakota. A sixth grade teacher was working with one of his students for a long time in an internet email exchange about a math problem. Seeing how frustrated she was growing and that she was not yet understanding, he packed up a whiteboard in his car, drove to her home, and right there on the front steps, he worked out the math problem while she was standing behind her glass front door. 
another New York City chef, famed for her skills, has been furloughed. So she's turned her baking skills into good cheer for the medical workers. She said, a cookie is not going to change the situation, but it's going to help workers on the front lines. And those little bits of joy are what make the day better. Now, these are personal stories of good news in dark times. But don't we really need a bigger good story? When life is on the line, I can tell you one. Yitzel Roman's symptoms came on fast. She developed a fever, chipped heart rate. And then when she began to have difficulty breathing, her husband drove her to the hospital. Yitzel tested positive for the virus, which was her greatest fear because Yitzel was 30 weeks pregnant. The odds for her survival and that of her baby were not good. The doctors had no choice but to place her onto a ventilator and to deliver the baby immediately by C-section. They notified the family, and the family called their pastor. Their pastor called the church members, and together they prayed for a miracle. Yitzel was on the ventilator for four days. Baby Faith was born without major complications and was tested negative for the virus. Yitzel awoke on her own negative for the virus. Yitzel awoke on her own and began to heal and is breathing on her own. She hopes in the next few days to meet her new baby. Now that's good news when life is on the line. The story of Lazarus is good news when the stakes are even higher. The story of Lazarus is good news in a dark time. We will see that without intervention, we all forfeit life. And that Jesus calls us from the tomb. Let's look again at our passage. The story of Lazarus is good news in a dark time. Verse 3, Lord, he who is ill. That's the message sent by Martha and Mary. They send for Jesus when they realize that medicine is not going to help Lazarus. His condition is deteriorating. Nothing is working, and their fears are growing. Lord, he whom you love is ill. That's all they needed to say. Jesus loved Lazarus just as he loved Martha and Mary. One whom you love is ill. Next week, we will explore what happens. When Jesus' arrival appears to be too late. Now, your situation may be dire, like Lazarus. Your fears be growing. It may be your health or your financial needs. It may be your future schooling or employment 
or the dire needs of those around you. You send for help, but it is slow in coming if it comes at all. There is no quick fix, no ready resource, and no positive outcome. Christian author and singer Sheila Walsh used to host a Christian talk show. She received a letter one day from a young woman in her mid-twenties suffering from cancer and multiple sclerosis. The letter began, Sometimes I watch your program and I'm helped. And sometimes I want to take my shoe off and throw it through the screen. Sheila Walsh thought that letter deserved a follow-up. So she found the woman and called her on the phone. The woman's condition was dire. She was like Lazarus. In talking with Sheila, she said, One of the things I hate about what you do is you always present people whose marriages get better in 10 minutes, people who get healed, people who have nice packaged answers. She continued, What about people like me who are dying and still love God? What about people who take very few steps, but every step leaves a big impression in the snow because it costs every ounce of strength they have left? What about me? What about me? The good news in Lazarus' story is not some nice, everything's going to work out okay story. The story of Lazarus is when things are not working out. That good news breaks through. In his book, The Lazarus Life, Stephen Smith writes, The story of Lazarus is about longings and breakthroughs. It's about unmet expectations and disillusionment with God. It's about overcoming obstacles. It's about facing our disappointments so that we can move forward. It's about freedom and life. Yes, life. Good news breaks through in the darkest of times. Jesus, believe in me, even though they die, will live. Verse 25. We need this message. Columnist and author. David Brooks, observes that profound suffering can lead to something good. He writes, People who have suffered almost always have this sense of calling. They want to turn their suffering into holiness. So they create a foundation. Or they transform their lives. People don't heal from suffering. They come out changed. In what ways are you suffering? Do you want to be changed for good? Lazarus did not heal from his suffering. Heal from his suffering. Jesus spoke to him while he was dead. Lazarus comes out transformed from death to life. 
This is what the Apostle Paul refers to in Ephesians 2, 1 through 10, that we heard read. We were dead in our trespasses and sins. You see, human sin is like a deadly virus. It's transmitted by patient zero, identified as Adam in Romans chapter 5. Romans 5.12 reads, Sin came into the world through one man, and death came through sin. And so death spread to all because all have sinned. Good news breaks through these dark times. Sin and death are not, not the last word. We hear in Ephesians 2, verse 4, But God, who is rich in mercy, out of his great love with which he loved us, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, we have been saved. This is our hope. Under the sprawling city of Rome lie the catacombs. The catacombs were the burial places, first for Jews, then Christians, from the first three centuries. Painted on the limestone walls of the catacombs, visitors will see more than 60 frescoes representing the life of Lazarus in this moment of John chapter 11. On each fresco, Jesus, and from the open tomb comes a bound mummy-like man who is emerging. The story of Lazarus inspired the earliest Christians with hope. They knew that an encounter with Jesus can change the trajectory of life. What are you experiencing right now in this time of global pandemic? The story of Lazarus is our story. You and I are Lazarus. We see that without intervention, we do forfeit life. That is our second point. Without intervention, we will forfeit life. Without Christ coming, Lazarus' life was over. Without Christ, Christ's intervention in our own life, we will forfeit life. We all have a soul sickness. Do you know what that is? Soul sickness. It's different than having symptoms from a virus. It's recognized by its disease. That's spelled D-I-S. E-A-S-E, dis-ease. We see it in what people are doing during this pandemic. The reports I uh, read in magazines and papers are that the greatest quantity of alcohol is being sold to the greatest number, and of those, 25% who consume alcohol are binge drinking. The demand for pornography is at an all-time pornography is at an all-time high. Binge watching is as well, particularly of true crime. 
The biggest show during the pandemic has been Netflix Tiger King, subtitle Murder, Mayhem, and Madness. It's been viewed by more than 64 million people worldwide. 34 million American households have watched it. It's a docu-series featuring exploitative treatment of people and endangered animals. Presenting a morally depraved man as entertainment, a man who is now serving jail time for a murder-for-hire plot. That's entertainment? We have soul sickness. Our dis-ease reveals it. Our dis-ease reveals it. Without intervention, we will forfeit life. Left to ourselves, we cannot experience the life God wants for us. On our own, we cannot leave the tomb any more than Lazarus could. Of course, we may try. We may work harder than others to rid ourselves of the things we know are harming us. Whether that's our anger or our overeating, our anxiety, or our selfishness. But apart from divine intervention, it will never be enough. Now, our lives may look good on the outside, but inside it is full of dis-ease. It's hard to manage, even when we try our hardest. Dallas Willard calls this attempt sin management. Nine years ago, I came from Colorado on a plane, sent ahead by my husband to look for a house. I have purchased, I think, the last three houses we've had. I looked online, looking for a house for Jim, for me, and my mother, who was going to live with us. Online, I'd seen some potential homes in Beverly, and Hamilton, and in Ipswich. The most intriguing one to me online was one that had an in-ground pool, was 4,000 square feet of built home, and it included a beautiful sunroom and large sunken den. The realtor drove me through Beverly, and we were on a busy street when suddenly the blinker went on and we turned onto a narrow driveway to the back. We got out and there was the pool behind a hurricane gate, stepped into a bright sunroom, and then that led to the sunken den. And then to my surprise, we climbed up four steps into the kitchen, which was perhaps renovated in 1940 with linoleum floor and fluorescent lighting. We went through a very low beam into a 1790 parlor and a dining room that abutted the busy street from which you could see the cars whizzing by. We then went to a narrow stairwell up into several bedrooms that were all off-center, sloping. The walls were not uh, plumb, and there was one bathroom. It was a crazy, this house, something similar to what we try to do with our own lives. We know we are worn out or broken in many areas, but rather than receive 
a real transformation of the whole person, we settle for adding on one or two areas that look good, are presentable to others. Remember Henry David Thoreau's famous line, the mass of men lead lives of quiet desperation. Does this describe you? Without intervention, you and I will forfeit life. We need divine intervention. We need Jesus Christ in order to be whole. Good news breaks through in the darkest of times. Lazarus is us. Our third point is that Jesus calls us out from the tomb. Lazarus was dead. Just as you and I are dead in our sins, unable to save ourselves through self-help or sin management. Jesus loved Lazarus. Jesus loves you. Jesus said, I came so that they can have real and eternal life, more and better life than they ever dreamed of. John 10, 10. What do you imagine it was like when Lazarus came forth out of the tomb? Eugene O'Neill, the great American playwright, imagined it in his play, the great American playwright, imagined it in his play, Lazarus Laughed. He writes that the one who helped roll the tombstone aside recalls what happened after Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead, saying, And then Lazarus knelt, and he kissed Jesus' feet, and both of them smiled. And Jesus blessed him and called him my brother and went away. And Lazarus he looked after him. He began to laugh softly like a man in love with God. Such a laugh I have never heard. It made my ears drunk. It was like wine. And though I was half dead with fright, I found myself laughing too. What about you? Do you hear Jesus calling you out from the tomb? He calls when life is its hardest, in the midst of sorrow, in the midst of sin and death, in the middle of a pandemic. Jesus calls us out from the tomb in order that we can have real and eternal life, more and better than we ever dreamed of. And it's a life that Jesus gives so that we may give to others. This is what it means when we heard from Ephesians 2.10, for we are what he has made us, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand to be our way of life. Let me close with a story of good news. You can hear and see it yourself on YouTube. It's about Jenna Lee Nardella, a Whitworth University graduate of 2004. 
Jenna wanted to honor God, follow Christ, and serve humanity. Therefore, after her graduation from college, she went to work alongside the Christian band Jars of Clay. And together, they worked on water issues in sub-Sahara Africa in order to improve water access, sanitation, and hygiene in the Marsabit Desert. Jenna worked with the various tribes that was uh, building rainwater catchment tanks that would be sufficient to hold the rainwater from two rainy seasons in order to sustain them through the year. Sustain them through the year. After the first tank was installed, Jenna went to celebrate with those who had worked so hard. She remembers a whole line of people and their camels lined up, ready for a drink. Jenna turned the spigot on the tank, and the only thing that came out was hot air. They had been in two years of droughts. And what she and others had worked for for so many years looked like an utter failure. Shortly afterward, her co-worker was traveling to Tanzania and was killed in a bus accident. Jenna began to question whether she had been too naive to believe that her small life could be part of God's greater plan to bless others. She felt like Lazarus in the tomb. Through the encouraging voice of other Christians, Jenna heard Christ calling her forth. She stepped out into hope. Jenna Lee Nardella went on to establish 1,000 wells that now provide 1 million people with access to safe water. She wrote a book, 1,000 Wells, How an Audacious God Taught Me to Love the World Instead of Save It. Friends, Lazarus is us. It's Jenna Lee. The season of loss has good news breaking through. You are loved by Jesus. It means to give us new life so that we in turn can share it with others. Is this what you want? If it is, are you ready for a new beginning? It can be yours even today. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, we are Lazarus. And we pray that we may recognize that we cannot manage our sin. And we cannot muster what we need to step into life. But you give it freely. And you call us forth. We pray for that mustard seed of faith to receive our new life and a new beginning. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Old South Presbyterian Church in Newburyport, Massachusetts. If you'd like more information about our historic church, or you'd like to find out more about the gospel of Jesus, please visit our website at oldsouthnbpt.org. The peace of Christ be with you.